One of the things about the border crisis that you don't hear a lot about is the number, the amount of counterfeit goods that get shipped into this country every year. There are people around the world who make fake items and then send them into the United States to be sold as the real deal. In fact, this thing is so bad that if you get on the internet, you can find instructions on how to tell if your expensive watch is the real deal, if your expensive bag is the real deal, or your shoes authentic, the sweaters, the computer parts that you have. Now, most of the time, this is embarrassing if you have found out that you got a fake watch or a fake handbag. But what if it's a medical device? What if it is a valve for your heart? What if it is a bad pacemaker, a counterfeit pacemaker? You see, these kind of things are counterfeited as well, and they can be the difference between somebody living and somebody dying. So we have people who are, who are guarding every port, every entrance into the United States to make sure that these fake goods don't get inside of our country. The scriptures remind us as believers that we need to be as vigilant as the border guards are about finding counterfeit goods. We need to be as vigilant about the borders of our church, about the borders of our own heart, because there are counterfeit saviors, people that are shown to us who may be good people, even doing good things but they aren't Jesus. And the difference between a counterfeit Jesus and the real Jesus, John in his gospel gets to this point quickly. In fact, we're still in the first chapter. It is one of the richest chapters in all of scripture. You can literally spend most of your life studying these words. We're going to read the last paragraph of this today, beginning with verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him. But I came baptizing with water so that he would be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he rested on him. I didn't know him, but when he was sent to me to, to be baptized with water, he told me, this is the one, the one that you see the Spirit descending and resting on. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So I have seen this. And now I testify that this is the Son of God, the one you see on whom the dove rests. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John says, I have seen this, and I testify that he's the Son of God. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. 
The hard choices in our life, O oh Lord, aren't between good and bad. We actually do pretty well with those. The hard choices in our life are between good and best. So we pray this morning as we hear your word, as we remember your story, that we will choose what is best, what is real. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So we continue our series in the Gospel of John. And we've opened up with this beautiful handful of verses that we call the prologue of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was created was created in Him and through Him. It is very rich, deep. It echoes back to the very beginning of God's story in the book of Genesis. Now we are beginning the ministry of Jesus. John doesn't have a birth story. There is no uh, reference to Bethlehem. He wants us to know that the gospel story doesn't begin in a small village in the Middle East. It begins before history, before time, before the beginning began. Jesus was saving the world. Now that is rich. That is deep, and it doesn't get any lighter when he introduces us to the ministry of John the Baptist. Now, Luke tells us the story of John the Baptist. Uh, there is a priest, Zacharias, his wife, Elizabeth, who can't have children. And so they both fervently pray, desperately pray, that they'll be able to have a son, that they'll be able to have a child. And Gabriel shows up while Zachariah is leading the worship and tells Zacharias, you're going to have a son. Well, after all of this praying, after years of being disappointed, you can understand that Zacharias was a little hesitant to believe. And he asked Gabriel, how will I know that you're telling me the truth? Uh, let me give you a little word. If Gabriel ever appears to you and he tells you something, don't tell him to prove it. It seems to get on his nerves. So here's what Gabriel said to the priest. Because you haven't believed, you won't be able to speak until that child is born. In fact, you won't be able to hear. So can you imagine? Elizabeth tells her husband, we're going to have a baby. And John can't say anything about it. For nine months, this preacher can't say anything. And when the child is born, his friends use sign language to tell him that the child is born. And what is this child's name going to be? You don't use sign language to somebody who can't speak. You use sign language to somebody who can't hear. So poor Zacharias for nine months had sat in silence, unable to hear. Gabriel said, if you're not going to listen, why do you hear? If you're not going to speak the truth, then you won't speak at all. For nine months he waits until he finally blurts out in belief his name is John. 
And John slips away in his early adulthood, lives in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness is a wild place. It's an untamed place. It's the place where you go to find God, away from the city, away from the population, away from all of the distractions. If you read the Bible, you will see where God brings different people into a wilderness experience where he cuts them off from everybody and everything but him. If you want to find God, if God wants your full attention, then that's a wilderness experience. Most of us just visit and then come back. John, he lived there. He lived in those wild places. He lived in the presence of God. And he started preaching. And when he started preaching, everybody said, who is this prophet? Who is this man on fire? You have to hear John. And people came out of the cities to hear him preach. Wherever he would show up, people would find out about it. And they would tell their neighbors and they would all go hear John preach. It is a remarkable story. And his preaching was so powerful, people began to think that John might have been the Messiah. Well, He's kind of a prophet like the Messiah. He confronts sin like we think the Messiah would be. He's a little different like the Messiah has got to be. Surely then John is the Messiah. Throughout his ministry, John is having to tell people, I am not the Messiah. I'm the one who was sent to prepare the way. I'm the one who was sent to tell you that the Messiah is coming and you need to get ready I am not the Messiah. You know, people are so desperate to be saved. They will follow anybody that has the appearance of a Savior who has the illusion of salvation. People are so desperate to find healing, to find some kind of ease of their pain, to find some kind of safety. They'll follow just anybody who looks like a Savior. Interesting question, isn't it? Are you following the real Savior? Or do you have a counterfeit Jesus? John told them over and over again, I am not him. I'll tell you when I see him. And it was on this day, this day of Jesus coming to John to be baptized. You see, John had a baptism where he would stand in the river and he would call people to repent. And as they would repent, they would come to John and he would baptize them and he would baptize them to repentance. We're washing you clean of your sins. Jesus came. And John said, I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. You should baptize me. And Jesus said, let's start here. You see, this is the first place that a follower of Jesus can actually follow Jesus is in baptism. And when John baptizes Jesus, a dove hovers over Jesus' head, the spirit in the form of this dove. Now, have you ever wondered why a dove? The spirit could have taken any kind of form and a lot of forms would have made sense if uh, the spirit had appeared as an eagle 
that would have made sense. But a dove. Ah, that's the thing about John. When you read John's gospel, you have to know the whole scripture. You have to hold, have the, the whole story. You remember back in Genesis, there's a story about a dove. Do you remember it? Noah and his family have been on the ark for days. Now the rain has stopped. And, John, and Noah is releasing birds. And he'll release them and they'll come back because there's no place for them to roost. There's no place for them to settle down. So they come back to the safety of the ark. The last time Noah releases a dove, the dove doesn't come back. The dove symbolically released in Noah's prayer, we need to find a safe place. That dove hovers over Jesus. Here is the only safe place I can find in the world. You hear a lot about safe places in the discussion of our culture. People want to be in a place where they won't be attacked, where they won't feel threatened. And this scripture tells us, this story tells us that the safest place of all is with Jesus. It's where you find out who you are. It's where you find out why you are. It's where you loved for who you are. Forgiven for all the mistakes you've done. There is no safer place than Jesus the Lamb of God. Now again, when you're talking about salvation, when when you're talking about being rescued from the perils of this world and God gives us a lamb, your first response is we need somebody stronger. We don't need a lamb to save us. We need a lion. Uh, We need an eagle. We need a tiger. We need some animal that is ferocious and big that can fight back against the powers that threaten us. It is in Revelation that John says, you know, there is a dragon that stalks us. That's right. That's where we live. That's why we treasure Revelation like we do, because we live in a land that is haunted by dragons. And for our salvation, you, you send a lamb. Well, first of all, Jesus brings the salvation that we need, not the salvation we want. You see, if it's up to us, then we have somebody who's impressive to the world. We want a Savior who is strong, who is tall, who can take on the bad guys of the world and defeat them in combat. We want a warrior. We want a fighter. Jesus comes as a lamb. Oh, he conquers the world. But just not the way you and I would do it. Like I said, if you want to understand John, you've you've got to understand the whole Bible. 
You see, this lamb story goes all the way back to Exodus. Trapped in Egypt's slavery, God tells the children, tonight I'm going to set you free. So you take a lamb and you spread the blood of that lamb on the doorpost of your home. And you cook that lamb and you eat it standing up because you're leaving tonight. A lamb, this Passover lamb who sacrificed for the freedom of God's people. This lamb that we see in the book of Revelation when John takes us into the worship of heaven. And he says that I saw the throne and on that throne is one of the most dramatic moments of the book. On that throne isn't Caesar. On that throne is the lamb who looks as if it has been slain. On this throne is Jesus, this Passover lamb that has sacrificed for our freedom, this lamb in the revelation that is on the throne of all eternity. Now this lamb is here now with us who, yes, will make you strong, but not strong to fight with the world, strong enough to bear the world's brokenness. You see, when you're called to love someone else, it's messy because people make mistakes. They're infuriating and you don't have the strength in yourself to love them. But Christ in his love for us fills us with his love and makes us strong enough to bear the brokenness of our friends, the brokenness of our families. So in our own healing, we can bring healing to those and we overcome them. We conquer them, not with battle, but with love. The only safe place is Jesus. This lamb who was sacrificed for us, this lamb who reigns now, this lamb of God who was with us. It was quite a scandal when we read in the paper that some hospitals in the United States were passing out masks to their staff to protect against the pandemic. And these masks were counterfeit. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. And some of you right now you're realizing that you got to counterfeit Jesus. You were so desperate to end your pain. You were so desperate to find some kind of hope that you ran after something. You ran after somebody who looked like Jesus but wasn't the real deal. So 
So this morning, we're inviting you to come know the real deal. Will you text us at 623-623? And we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Email us at the church. Call us. Just leave a message. We'll be in touch with you as soon as we possibly can. The difference between counterfeit and the real deal could be a difference between life and death. More than that, could be the difference between the life that you've hoped for that you never knew was possible, that is only possible with the real deal that Jesus Christ is. Let's pray together. For my friends now, Lord Jesus, I pray that in ways they need to know, in ways they need to hear, they'll find you. You'll find them. And they'll give their life to the Lamb of God that you are, to the Savior, to the real deal you are, Jesus. And we pray this in your name.